Well, it is great to be with you guys. I'm going to move this. There we go. Mike out of the way. Um, it's great to be with you guys. We are going to, I'm going to serve as the informal MC. I've got a list of jokes all ready to go if we get a dull moment tonight. So be ready. Uh, what I'd love to start with tonight, what we'd love to start with tonight better, is just providing you guys an update on all things related to, to leadership at the church. So with that, I'm going to kick it to my friend, Bo Fournette. Well, thank you, David. Uh, my name is Bo, and I know I've had the privilege of uh, meeting a number of you over the years. And, and first, just thanks for, for jumping in. I know a lot's going on uh, at home with uh, either damage or frustrations with things. So thanks for jumping in with the church family. Uh, and the first thing I want to share with you uh, is something that uh, we've been processing since uh, early 2020 and shared with the staff earlier this week, uh, which is that I've decided that now is the time uh, that I'm going to step out of the office of elder. And, um, and I just want to emphasize in that that um, you know, my community group, which is Todd and Alex and uh, David and Missy and uh, Dean and Tawny and, and my wife, uh, started talking about this in early 2020 uh, and really have unity as a community group and with these elders that this is the, the right next step uh, for my family. And um, you know, there's a you know, a lot of different ways to explain it. I think the best way to share this is it feels like now is the right time as, um, you know, I've just wrestled for seven and a half years with the tension at the end of every day, um, feeling like I want to spend more time as a husband and father. I want to spend more time uh, shepherding the flock with these men. Uh, and I want to do more things in my vocation at work. Uh, and I've, I've gone to sleep every night um, feeling well about that tension um, but just felt like now is a season to transition um, as I look at how to be faithful. Uh, and what I shared with the staff on, uh, on Tuesday is, you know, I've been a part of this body for 20 years. And first 12 and a half, um, I was not an elder. And then I became an elder about seven and a half years ago. And I didn't feel like um, I was called to do something that was somehow another level up uh, of faithfulness. Um, it was just my calling uh, for that season. And really, I'm jumping into this next season. I don't feel like I'm stepping down um, in ministry. I'm stepping out of this role into the next thing that God would have me do uh, to be faithful. And um, I'm going to still be in community with Todd and his wife and David and, and Dean. Uh, and so this is not about uh, any kind of conflict um, or disagreement with these guys. Uh, this is just a, a time where I'm jumping into a new season. And the, um, the last thing I shared, I, I told the staff last weekend, I was up in Michigan uh, visiting uh, my oldest son in college and just got some time at the beginning of uh, Philippians and Colossians where uh, Paul is just thanking the church for all of the amazing things that he's just heard and seen um, about what they were doing. And I just start to reflect uh, on how God has answered those prayers uh, in this church and I've just had a privilege uh, of just learning uh, in this classroom. I've heard Todd talk at times uh, that, you know, we're a teaching hospital. Uh, people come uh, to be cared for, but we also learn uh, how to be and make disciples. And I just shared uh, with staff, just a number of people on staff, and, and just how they have uh, just reminded me how God has answered the prayers of Paul uh, in Philippians and Colossians. And then... Uh, Thursday and Friday, my quiet time, I was in, um, in Titus, and it just says, hey, appoint uh, godly men to lead this church, and that's chapter one. And then in chapter two, it says, and get your doctrine right. Do not compromise on that. And then in chapter three, it says, now go and just live these things, um, and you're going to experience fruit. Uh, and what, you know, while we were singing, I was just looking out here and um, just seeing people that uh, that just helped me uh, be the husband I want to be and the father, uh, be a friend, um, be a co-laborer in the gospel. And I just want to encourage everybody uh, to remember that uh, we are a teaching hospital and we get to just learn from one another uh, and shepherd the flock of God. Uh, and I'm encouraged that uh, I'm going to be here uh, for years to come and these guys are going to be my, my elders. Um, and the, the last thing I'll say before I, I hand it to Kyle is uh, obviously that means we're going from five to four. And some people will say, okay, well, um, you know, what's up with that? And, uh, you know, what do you think about, um, 
having four elders. And um, I've got to tell you that uh, I feel completely comfortable uh, that these men are the right men to be elders today. And if they think they need to go to five or they need to go to six, uh, they'll do that. And if they think faithfulness today is to be at four, that's fine as well. And, and the reason I say that is because I think Scripture guides and informs that. In Exodus 18 and in Acts 6, uh, we see that God does not call a leader to be able to handle everything, but to surround themselves with faithful leaders uh, that do things that are important for the body, uh, but not critical that the elder be in the room to do. And so we've been doing that for years. And with community, you know, we have community directors and shepherds. We have a leader in every community group. Uh, and that allows us to shepherd the flock of God. And, you know, we're just reflecting back when all the COVID stuff started and a lot of people were, were losing their jobs. And we spent a lot of time just praying uh, for our body. And every single member of our church got a phone call that week asking how they were doing, how we could pray for them, how we could serve them. And this week with just knowing the challenges people were having and even damage in homes, uh, maybe needing a place to stay, uh, we know that our community directors got in touch with all of our shepherds to reach out to every community group and make sure people were being cared for. Um, and we didn't need a fifth or sixth or seventh elder uh, to do that. Uh, we just needed faithful people identifying other faithful people that want to come along and shepherd the flock. And so I'm not concerned about that. And I trust these men uh, that we're going to have the right number of elders and the right elders in the future seasons. So thank you for that, guys. Yeah. And honestly, so uh, just, just real quick uh, before I jump into what I want to cover, uh, I, I've had the joy of uh, serving with Bo over the last 20 years uh, in a number of different venues. Uh, part of that was as an elder. But uh, Bo has had a tremendous impact on me, uh, on every man that you see up here, uh, on our leadership, and really this whole body. And, and I love that Bo's going to continue to have a huge impact uh, because he is a man that's faithful and has been faithful for many years. And so I, I think it's appropriate for us just to publicly Thank Bo for his faithfulness. Yeah, amen, amen. It's the only thing I, I was um, going to stick in with this that I really hope everybody in this room heard is that. Uh, the thing that is most difficult about being in this position of what we pray is servant leadership is that we know that there are so many other godly leaders in this body. We say all the time, we think there's hundreds of elders here. And I, I want you women that are married to godly men and you godly men to hear us say this. We know that there are lots of individuals that could serve the body of Christ in this role. And I want you to know that we, the reason the number is smaller is so that we can spend so much time together, right? We always have, it just is so difficult to align five schedules and six schedules and 10 schedules because I want you to know this church has always been led by men. I mean, plurality, just like the scripture says. And I want you to hear, if you've never had this horrible, amazing privilege, and by horrible, I mean like overwhelming, giving an account because you're in this role. I want you to hear what Bo said. He was a member for 12 and a half years and he didn't believe that he was going to become more significant in his utility to God. The scripture says it's a wise thing to aspire to be an elder. It doesn't say all the best leaders are elders. We see godly elders all through this church. But because of the difficulty of getting together, we keep the number where it is because we're together all the time. And uh, Bo didn't get to do something for seven and a half years that made him on God's varsity and he's not moving to JV. And I, I think we all want you to know that. For years, we called the staff leadership intentionally a name that didn't make it sound like it was the varsity. And we don't think we're the varsity. And it horrifies us if we ever give off that aroma. And so I just want to take that moment and not just celebrate Bo, but to say to you again, 
We love you, we respect and learn from so many of you while we're in this position that we're privileged to try and serve you and hope that tonight as we talk, we do just that. Good, so with that, we wanted to give you just a real brief organizational update. Uh, And so as you know, David Leventhal uh, uh, came on as a staff elder back in September and David uh, had previously been uh, uh, a lay elder. And so we lead the body uh, as an elder team, but we delegate the day-to-day activities of uh, the staff and the church uh, to a staff team. And over the last 20 years, uh, this has looked different, and the staff leadership team has been called a number of different things. And some, some of you have heard of uh, the B team that we called it for some season, and then we called it uh, the Dallas leadership team for a season. And it's typically involved uh, three to 10 staff leaders that lead alongside uh, our staff elders. And this team really leads modeling uh, servant leadership. And you see that uh, in Mark 10, 43 through 45. You see it in the first half of Philippians 2. And so that's how a lot of the operations of our church uh, happens. And so due to the increasing complexity and and really breadth of our ministries, we are now calling this the campus pastor team. So some of you have seen that with different individuals with their names being up. But that team is comprised of, of Todd and David as staff elders and then also uh, Blake Holmes, David Zena, and David Peniel. And those men together, again, are responsible for, for leading the staff, uh, leading the activities of the church. And this structure that we've gone to really allows uh, uh, each member of the campus pastor team to spend more time in the area that they're specifically responsible for, knowing that there's a lot of coordination in the midst of that. But it also allows us as elders to focus additional time on teaching, on discipleship, and, and really shepherding our body. And our Frisco campus, as you know, uh, Connor Baxter, who you're going to hear from in a little bit, he's the campus pastor there, and Connor leads with a team of uh, campus shepherds there in Frisco, and they coordinate closely with Todd and uh, and are involved with us as elders. And so, uh, as you know, uh, we have an amazing staff. I mean, even, even though I talk about those folks that are leading the staff. We have an incredible staff that leads in a multitude of different ways and love that that you all get to interface with many of them. And as elders, we're really humbled just to have the privilege that we have to serve alongside them uh, as we lead our body. And so now we're going to update you just on uh, other areas of our ministry. Yeah. So we got... uh... Some of the questions we got from y'all were specifically about what's going on in other parts of other campuses and stuff that we're doing. So I'm going to have, we're going to first tackle um, CDC and external focus in South Dallas. I'm going to invite Carson and Jeff Ward to jump on up here and uh, to give us uh, some updates. We'll start with Carson Smith and uh, let him share. And it's a good segue too as these guys come up. Just like, you know, we say that in the role of elder is not like varsity uh, being on the campus pastor team isn't varsity. There's lots of our staff that lead broad, significant ministries that are making all kinds of impact. You're about to meet a couple of those guys right here. So we have phrases like CDC. Yeah. Uh, if you know what that is, he's about to tell you. But this is Carson Smith who's on our staff, one of the leaders that we follow, trust, and are blessed by. So welcome, Carson. It's awesome. Thank you. Thank you, guys. It is a gift to be here on a night like this. This is a rare thing. And um, we thank you guys for hosting this. So church, imagine with me, think with me for a second. If you think about an individual who is uh, previously incarcerated, uh, they might be just under-resourced. Uh, you might have turned, heard the term underprivileged, or maybe just honestly had just a hard time uh, in a variety of ways, whatever that might look like. When you think of that individual and you think about, could there be a platform or an organization that exists in order to uh, provide financial literacy training? 
to that individual, maybe even accelerated savings towards an asset and purchase an asset that helps them kind of move on uh, into another area of life. Or maybe it's job-related and applying to be in a first job or in a second job or a better job and continuing to grow who they are as a leader in the job and, and economic realm. And maybe that you look up and a few years later, that individual raises their hand and says, hey, because I've gotten to apply what I've learned in financial empowerment and also in vocational training and employment, I, I want to start my own business. And then we say, all right, Watermark member, you go help and support this individual. Let's, let's get them off the ground. Let's go see that business thrive for the purpose of economic development in our community. So thinking about all those things, that is the CDC. The Watermark CDC, Watermark Community Development Corporation, our vision is to transform economic welfare in our community. And doing so in a way that really keeps discipleship at the center. And we want to be really strategic and transformative in the way we steward God's people and his resources to see sustained economic change truly happen in our city. So I will have two things I want to share with you after kind of walking through our mission and vision. Two things. The first is we have a, uh, a program called Financial Catalyst. So Financial Catalyst is specifically for under-resourced, financially under-resourced individuals and their families, and allowing them to, first part, learn financial literacy, second part, walk through an accelerated savings program to purchase an asset that they would not typically purchase on their own. And we have, it's an amazing program. We've had over 300 individuals already complete part one, and over 120 that are already in the Accelerated Savings Program and saving towards an asset. That's amazing. There's been $140,000 already matched through that Accelerated Savings Program towards asset purchases. So we have some needs. If you are interested in teaching or facilitating financial literacy, if you want to lead a small group and help provide support to those individuals that are in an Accelerated Savings Program, or hospitality might be your gift to uh, make our events excellent, now, just encourage you to check out our website, and I'll share about that in a second. The second piece I want to share is our Job Connection Program. We are about to launch our Job Connection Program, and the purpose of the program is to connect individuals to a first job or a better job because they might be either unemployed or underemployed, okay? And in that Job Connection Program, we need Watermark members who own a business and maybe even work in HR and would say, hey, I would, I'll commit to hiring X number of individuals from the Job Connection Program every year. My company will commit to doing that. We also need individuals who would serve as a mentor to these individuals who get placed through the Job Connection Program, and that you would mentor them, help them teach job training and skills in order to continue to grow who they are as a leader and also in discipleship, all right? So, you can either visit watermark.org forward slash CDC. Also, I put these out on the table in the uh, town center, just on the table out there, if you'd like to get more information on the CDC itself, all right? So, church, this is your opportunity. Join us. Let's see sustained economic change happen in our city. Join us. Jump in. We're inviting you. Come serve. Come engage with us as we uh, really are fueled by the gospel, and we keep dignity for all at the focus of what we're doing. Thank you guys so much. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, thanks, Carson, for sharing that. I do, I just, I love that last little bit. This is a gospel-informed, discipleship-focused way to help people um, improve in their situation. Driven by the gospel, focused on discipleship, meeting the needs. So well, well done, Carson. I'd love to hear from our friend Jeff Ward, another one of our staff leaders. All right. Well, listen, uh, thank you guys. They asked me to come share a little bit about what we're doing in advance of the opening of our South Dallas campus around some of the external focus things. And then a couple of additional announcements I want to share with you after that. So I'll be brief, and quick. So over the last year, a lot of what we have been doing in South Dallas is just building relationships with people. So we've got now over 350 people that we've identified, that we know by name, that we've met with, that we've shared the vision with, that are in the community, that are excited about what we're doing, that are anticipating us opening doors. And so that's been a whole lot of fun. And then we've built some relationships with even a Young Life group, a large one that meets at the adjacent apartment right next to the campus who have said to us, we've met with their leaders and they've said, hey, the day you guys open your doors is the day we open up our gates and we walk those families over to you guys. We're within yards. And so God is up to some amazing things there. And then just building relationships with schools around our campus there 
uh, Lincoln High School in particular, we've been working with Mercy Street. They've invited us already to help develop mentors for at-risk men and women students there at Lincoln High School. That's been super fun. As you guys know, we've been working in South Dallas for about a decade at least with existing partners, people like folks like Ark Halling that we've been working with at the convention center this week with our homeless friends, but uh, Cornerstone Baptist Church and then a whole bunch of other ministries, uh, new ones like Men and Nehemiah, which is a recovery ministry for men there in South Dallas. And so that's all been progressing. And then our clinics. And so because of your generosity, we were able to launch the mobile clinic, as you know, which has been stationed at three strategic locations in South Dallas every week for the last year, meeting physical needs, meeting with people, meeting spiritual needs, and then just evaluating how we can meet those longer-term needs in the South Dallas community uh, moving forward for years to come. So that's all been happening in South Dallas over the last year to get ready for our campus down there. A couple of other quick hits uh, for external focus. Again, because of your generosity, our medical clinic here, the Dallas uh, Clinic, is now offering sonogram services in real time with real uh, um, women that are coming through that are finding out for the first time that they have an unexpected pregnancy, that, are, that feel isolated, alone, overwhelmed. They don't know what the resources are available. And many of you might remember seven years ago when we opened the doors of the clinic, our first patient was a lady who came in and uh, with some symptoms, found out that she was pregnant, and then asked us for a referral to an abortion clinic. And so our team got to come around her and uh, uh, talk about the life that is in her, the author of that life. We referred her to a ministry partner for sonogram services, which she received, and then chose life, and then came back to the clinic, and they ended up throwing a baby shower uh, for her. And so it's just a sweet, sweet circle now that we can offer those services in real time now and have these conversations with hundreds of women every year now. So that's exciting. Thank you for your generosity. You'll hear more about that this spring. Lastly, guys, we are so excited that we are doubling down on our initiatives uh, and just all the ways that we want to reach, serve, and support our Spanish-speaking friends. And so Dallas County here is over 40% Hispanic. And so what we want to do is keep first-generation Spanish speakers and grandparents and parents together with second- and third-generation kids that are English-speaking. And so uh, Watermark in Espanol is uh, busting at the seams. And so um, I'm telling you this so that as you run across Spanish speakers and just invite them to come and see, you know, this Lord and the things that are happening in the church. And so that's everything from new member class to community groups to uh, equip disciple to uh, re-engage, regeneration is coming. And so there's uh, obviously sermon translation. We have now weekly communidad outreach gatherings uh, that are coming up and worship nights. And so guys, uh, come on and invite those friends uh, to come join us and be part of the church with us. And so thank you for the opportunity to share, guys. Thank you all. Thanks, Jeff. All right. So again, we're answering a question that was submitted about what in the world's going on in South Dallas. I want to remind you that with, with Carson, we ended up putting somebody on staff because a number of our members had started to minister to our community in a way that was going to help meet the physical, tangible needs of people. First John 3.18 just says, hey, if a brother comes to you in need and you pray for him and send him away, that's just not what real prayerful living looks like. So you, you, have, um, you love people in word and in deed. The scripture says in Psalm 89, 14, that righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Mercy and grace go before you. So the CDC was an expression of members. This was not an initiative of watermark because members, all of us are watermark. And members began to activate and use their business skills, financial literacy, and resources to start to attack some of the income inequality that's in our city in the name of Jesus. And eventually, we brought Carson on board. It's actually its own 501c3 that's underneath the Watermark 501c3. And then Jeff, as you know, has always been leading us in making Watermark a place that people love in Dallas because Watermark doesn't just love people who come to a service. Watermark loves and serves our city. I tell Jeff Ward all the time, he's why people love this place. And you're the reason because you activate. The one thing I wanted to say to you, if you're not getting the email that we send out bi-weekly, Jeff? Monthly. Um, that will tell you all the places that Jeff's team creates opportunities for your community group to go together and be the hands and feet of Christ. 
you're missing out on one of the most important emails that we can give you. And the way you get that email is you go to the website. Yes. And if you Google straightforward service, right, on our website, you're going to see a way to get connected. And that email every month comes to you so that when you do the six things that community groups do, devote daily, pursue relationally, live authentically, admonish faithfully, counsel biblically, and engage missionally, you'll be ready to go because there are members of the body that are setting up puzzle pieces that are shaped just like you to step in. Straightforward service. That's, there were some people that created a whole other form of straightforward service. That was the CDC. And because a member of our body um, who's in real estate and who has been living and working, not living, but working, living day by day during the day in South Dallas and caring for, working with men of Nehemiah and other ministries in South Dallas, he was driving down there and saw and heard and was aware uh, of the fact that there was going to be some DIST properties that were put on the market. And um, this member began to activate, you know, basically on his own, acquiring that property, and then heard that we would be open to furthering our ministry in South Dallas by creating a local body in South Dallas, like there was now in Fort Worth, and is now in Plano, and is now in Frisco, and you'll hear about East Dallas in just a second, of doing something down there. Um, God brought to us that property, Pearl C. Anderson. And... Uh, we have been in the middle of first um, abetting that building of uh, things that needed to be have abetted. We've fenced it. We've cleaned it up. It's now no longer a blight and a place for urban exploration and drug use. It is now um, beginning to be restored to the blessing. It was originally in that community as a place uh, of educating their children. And now it's going to be a place that we're going to serve God's children and educate his body. Uh, so there is... Um, a lot of work that's already been done. We're about to finish the first phase, which will allow us to begin to gather there and uh, to provide um, ministries and discipleship and Bible studies and re-engages and regens and um, equip disciples and all the things that we do. Community begin to gather. The thing that we are least uh, passionate about having to do is start a Sunday gathering. We don't believe that that's the best way to launch something. And so we are in the middle. If you don't know, John Elmore was leading us from a staff perspective, one of the people that's part of our staff leadership team, right? Uh, and, and one of the guys that's not on this one group, but that leads us and serves us in so many ways. John was going to lead in South Dallas. With COVID and all the spike and trouble that was in our society, John's a leader in Regen and um, was kind of sidestepping both until he moved to South Dallas fully. And just through his own prayer, and um, our assessing with him, we felt like there was going to be such a spike in need in the Regen community and John's unique leadership gifts that he rolled off the South Dallas portion. And so we're still filling out now our staff team that will lead us in terms of the ministry that we set up in South Dallas. Here's the plan. We're not looking for a preacher. Eventually, we think preaching will be indigenous uh, to that area, just like we have indigenous preaching happening in Fort Worth and in Plano now and many weeks in, in Frisco with Connor. But what we're trying to do is get the leadership together that will be and make disciples in South Dallas. We'll partner with our ministry partners that are already down there. And so if you want to know what's going on in South Dallas, we're finishing the property for phase one. Our CDC will also use some of that property for some of their mission to serve some of the economic injustices that are taking place in our city. And the staff team will be filled out with a number of our members of our body that are already meeting weekly during the 11 o'clock hour, they worship at the 9 o'clock hour. And the 11 o'clock hour, they meet in our East Tower to pray and say, when there is a Sunday gathering down there, we who live down in that area already or are going to move down in that area are meeting to be together so that we can launch what would be an eventual work down there so God can, as we sang and prayed at the beginning, do it again. So there's your South Dallas update. All right, We're not looking to find the next preacher. We're looking to build out our staff team that will allow disciples to be and make disciples in this facility that you guys are allowing us uh, to put together to the glory of God. And so, Mickey, why don't you talk a little bit about how facilities are put together? Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Todd. Um, you know, we talk about it around here a lot. Church is not a spectator sport. It is us, all of us in this room and, and who worship here together who are the church, and in everything that you've heard about here in the last 10 minutes, there's a significant need, and the first need that we have is just 
for your prayers. As we pray together, we know that we have an enemy. We know that we have an enemy who wants to stop every one of these efforts to be the body here in Dallas. And so your prayers, we covet your prayers wherever your primary areas of service and giving are. And then secondly, you've heard multiple opportunities to jump in uh, now or in the future to be able to mentor, to lead, to serve. Uh, and there's going to be increasing uh, numbers of ways to jump in depending on what your particular shape and gifting is. And so look for the opportunity, time the jump rope, jump in and uh, be proactive in that. Because life on life is how life change happens. And that's how God allows us to be life in the city. And then the third ask, uh, which we don't talk about very often, is there is a significant financial component to everything that we're doing down there. Now, we want to be clear. It doesn't take a single penny for us to be the body in Dallas. But it is great how whenever God provides us with a resource like this and some of the other resources that we're able to build out in South Dallas and to fund programs that Carson and Jeff were talking about to continue to help people in, in additional ways to get on their feet financially within their careers. And as the church starts to meet and continues to meet in South Dallas, it is so important to us that they're able to experience community in that neighborhood the same way that we do. But that means we need to be able to safely and, and securely care for their children and provide a place maybe for them to meet on community on campus there more than we do here. And so there's a significant material component to everything that we're doing down there. So if you feel compelled to give, and, and we would ask you to pray about that, to see how God might have you steward the resources that he's given each one of us uh, to uh, join in in us being the, continuing to be the church in South Dallas. If you feel compelled to give now or at any time in the future, please give uh, to Watermark in general, whether it's for external focus, CDC, or the church in general in South Dallas. And just note on there, South Dallas, in, in the subject line. And we'll make sure to allocate those resources as can best serve the body in all of the efforts going on in South Dallas. So pass it back to you guys. Awesome. Thanks, Thank Mickey. Appreciate it. Todd mentioned uh, East Dallas, so let's talk a little bit about Rockwall. Uh, our friends in Rockwall. Yeah, look at that. I love it. Represent. They are here in the house. Uh, yeah, so Watermark uh, is in the process of uh, being the church in Rockwall. And we have some folks that are gathering there uh, with leadership from Harrison Ross, from Susan Cox, from other folks that are leading uh, that group, and they are being and making disciples in Rockwall. And they're gathering together and they're asking themselves, hey, what would the next best step of faithfulness be for us as God's people who live in or around Rockwall? And so they're meeting regularly. There's midweek ministries. There's men's Bible studies and women's Bible studies. They're proactively uh, trying to identify and grow up men that might one day help lead that work there. We are focused on, as we are in South Dallas, as you're going to hear about in just a moment in, in, in Frisco, being and making disciples. And so we are Really excited about what God's doing in Rockwell. The passion, the way they are meeting consistently, praying for what's the next best step for, for them to go from midweek, maybe at some point into their own, into their own work of God. It's going to look different than what we've seen in uh, Plano. It's going to look different than what we've seen in Fort Worth. It'll look different than what we're seeing in, in, in Frisco. And so we're asking you to pray for what God is doing in Rockwell. We're asking you to pray that God would continue to bring about um, folks that want to want to grow and uh, help lead people to Jesus in that community. If you are, if that is you, if you're in that area or near that area and not yet plugged in with our friends in Rockwall and you're like, hey, I'd love to know more about that, you can go to watermark.org slash Rockwall. If you've got questions about how you can jump in, how you can serve with, with Harrison and that team, you can go to rockwall at watermark.org, send them an email and ask any question you've got. But we are really excited about how God has been using you, our friends who live in Rockwall, to make a huge impact in that city. And so we're, that's what's going on in Rockwall, and it's exciting. And, and you, sh you should pray for them, and you should, uh, if you're interested in jumping into that work, you should absolutely reach out to those guys. Yeah, Debbie, my, I, I'm going to say this again. One of my favorite things to say um, is a number of years ago, I know Susan was two or three years ago, the, the local regional paper, they, they interview folks and take a survey and say, what's your favorite church in Rockwall? And Watermark was on the list as the best church in Rockwall. Because when God's people who are members of this body, who say they go to Watermark, live in their community, people go, hey, I love those people. Those people make our community better. They, they didn't even know there wasn't a 
physical structure in Rockwall. Guess what? Because this church doesn't need a physical structure. It doesn't need a Sunday gathering. The church does need to gather. And the church was gathering in Rockwall and was being and making disciples. And the community said, it's one of our favorite churches in Rockwall. And so what's happened is we, for that first time, began to do what David said, is begin to do some midweek ministries, further those communities, and you hear they're here together. What's so great now is there are people beginning to be ministered to and discipled in Rockwall that have never been to Dallas, that think Watermark is those people. Watermark isn't those people. I mean, Watermark is those people. Watermark is all of you. That's why there's a CDC. That's why there's a group right now from South Dallas meeting to pray for South Dallas. And we believe you're that. This week, this is a great transition as Connor comes up to Frisco, People called the church who were new to Watermark and didn't understand that Watermark was people and said, why isn't Watermark doing something? And we reminded them, hey, what are you doing? Well, I'm loving my neighbors. Great, then Watermark is being perfectly effective where it is. Now, it just so happens we have resources like the mobile clinic and the external focus team. We were down at the convention center. We were working with our strategic partner, Our Calling, in a unique way because they trusted us. We did get some pipes fixed here and welcome Uh, folks into our town center as a warming center. We did have a plan for homeless community that came in here during the day and to care for them at night. So we were doing things, but when you were loving your neighbor and helping them with their busted pipes and moving them into your rooms because your house had electricity, Watermark was at work. And that's what makes it great in Rockwall and in Frisco. So church, just remember, when you're asking what's Watermark doing, ask yourself first, what can I say Watermark's doing? Well, let me um, share with you what a lot of folks are being the church up in Frisco and responding to needs. And, and what's been really encouraging, we've been up for about two and a half years north of here, meeting in a high school on Sundays, and have not skipped a beat in terms of loving people. What we've been able to do is look down at our Bibles and then look up at a lot of you uh, that are loving and serving and engaging with folks <laughs> and go, okay, if this is what my Bible says, if Jesus is the same today, yesterday, and forever. And these folks that we're getting to be equipped by and unleashed and sent from at Watermark are doing it. Why not us? And so there's been a core group. We started with 90 and um, started a campus. And those 90 folks for the past two and a half years have labored for the gospel. And a few things God's done recently, I'll give you some highlights. Um, He's allowed us to start two ministries during the pandemic. He's allowed us to create partners in the city. Um, to make a renown for Christ. One of those ministries we started was a young adult ministry. Uh, we had the table um, start, that's what we call it, as we looked at the porch, which is one of the most, um, if not the most amazing discipleship-making young adult ministry in the world at Watermark. And we decided, if God can do that with others, why can't he do it with us? And so we followed kind of the same playbook, the Bible, and started a young adult ministry that's locally led, that's built up local communicators. And we're seeing um, the only thriving young adult ministry in Frisco. And it's not just ministering to people on Tuesday nights. It's grabbing these young adults, plugging them into the church, discipling them. And now a lot of those young adults are discipling the younger generation. So you're seeing generational discipleship happen out of one ministry starting. The next ministry we started just a month ago is one most of you know. But it's a place you come no matter what your hurts, habits, or hangups are and understand how the gospel sets you free. That the power of the gospel is not just what it does for you eternally, it also sets you free from things today. So regeneration is a ministry we've prayed for and God has just not given us the leadership for really two years until the past couple of months. And so we've been training a, a group of folks for months through the pandemic who gathered together as a small team on Monday nights in the midst of all the craziness in faith that God would use their works and they got to launch that ministry a month ago. And we're already seeing God use it. The last little update, uh, we got a partner. Our first formal partnership with somebody in the city, one of the elementary schools called Smith Elementary, uh, has allowed us the opportunity just to really serve them on a continual basis. And so if you're a teacher or you have kids at school, you know the difficulties it is right now. And we have great opportunities for those who are discouraged and disheartened and confused and tossed around as administration and staff just to love them. And we're already seeing just in a few weeks eternal fruit from that ministry. So I would uh, beg you two things. One, if you live closer to Frisco and you're not jumping in with us, I would ask you to prayerfully consider (laughs) come helping us build what you've benefited from. And I know there's some of you I've I've looked. 
but come, come join us. <laughs> I've, I've resisted sending you an email. Uh, but I would say prayerfully consider. I know it doesn't make sense for everybody, but God is doing some amazing things. I'd love for you to come see it firsthand. And then second, just pray, not for a permanent facility, although that would be amazing, uh, but that we would be content and thankful in every circumstance because we have Christ and he is enough. And all the challenges that are unique to a mobile campus but aren't unique to the church, uh, we get a face. And we get to face them with faith and with joy. And we don't want to be the kind of people that don't realize the amazing gifts and resources that God has given us and just be grateful and keep our hand to the plow and trust the Lord and cultivate faithfulness. So pray for us. Come join us. And I hope to be back with you guys soon. Just don't do it tomorrow, right? Because tomorrow Frisco was meeting at Frisco High School, which because of the way, I'm going to say, those of you guys have been around for a long time, uh, know that we met in the high school for a long time. Frisco had never, Frisco Independent School District had never allowed a church to be in a high school. And they had heard about our relationship with Richard Independent School District. And the very first church that ever had a privilege of meeting in a high school was Watermark because of the reputation of the way you left that district better than you found it. And so um, that ministry is meeting at Frisco High School, but not tomorrow <laughs> because they're struggling with um, some facilities issues, which is why I think all of us just want to say again, we don't need a single dime to do what Jesus wants us to do. We need yieldedness to his spirit. But man, all of you that have given faithfully to this mission over the years, it's why we're meeting here tonight. We have a place that we can say, let's turn the lights on. Let's gather our people together in the resource that God's given us, this facility. So I'm just so thankful. And let's just keep praying. We're gonna have a time of prayer very shortly here. Let's pray that we use everything God gives us to his glory. So all those folks, the hundred of you that, were, that live too close to Frisco and are still coming here, that we're gonna go there tomorrow, don't go tomorrow. Because it's not open tomorrow, right Connor? You'll be there telling people we're not open tomorrow, right? But the church will gather in other ways. All right. Let's, uh, so that answers some of the questions we got about South Dallas, Rockwell, and Frisco's. Hit the clutch a little bit. Let's talk about some other topics. We had some questions on Saturday services. And so, you know, are we going to restart Saturday services? And just by way of reminder, for those who don't know, we started the Saturday service as a, uh, because we had a space issue. And the Saturday service served to help us uh, make room for the next 100. And so uh, we have, we don't have a space issue today uh, for a lot of reasons. And so uh, for the foreseeable future, we're not planning on restarting the Saturday service. That said, when we run into a space issue, um, whenever that might be, we will huddle the troops up and figure out what is the most strategic, best way to solve that space issue. And we don't know what the answer to that question is yet because we're not there yet. And so when we get there, we'll pray about it. We'll seek God. We'll seek counsel from, uh, from folks that are involved and can help us think through and we will execute accordingly. So for those who are asking, uh, today there is no plan in the foreseeable future to restart Saturday services. So we'll go from that. And then we got some other questions on topics like masks, everybody's least favorite topic, uh, and on other things about masks and race. And so what we thought we'd do now for this next little slug of time is just let Todd share with you our heart and our perspective on, on some of those topics that have a, I think, a similar underlying theme. So Todd? Race and mask, that's easy. Um, uh, and it's almost funny to lump them together. We actually talked about the political issues that came up over the last little bit and throwing that in here. Um, here's what I want you to know. You heard me say earlier that all of us who are in this role and anybody who's in leadership, and that includes being a mother or father, includes leading a community group or just being an individual who's trying to lead yourself, it's a horrible privilege. Because um, I, and I, I, you make decisions that affect a lot of lives, right? And it's one thing, and it's why Jesus says, let not many of you be teachers. Because when you're a teacher, you're not just living in your own stupidity, you're inviting other people into it. And so we realize um, that our God has supplied all our needs according to his riches and glory. We know Jesus doesn't make any mistakes. But we know that we're fallible men and we make mistakes. We do the best we can to study scripture, to study the Proverbs that give instructions in skilled living. We wrestle with biblical principles. There's not anything specific to this. We, we've seen 1 Corinthians 8 teach us a little bit about controversial issues in certain communities like Corinth and how Paul encouraged them. 
to handle it. And one of the things that Paul says there at the beginning is, hey, if you think you've got all knowledge, you don't have anything. It's why wisdom living starts with um, not just revealing your own mind, but seeking understanding. And so here's what we want you to hear us say about masks and about how we handle um, leadership from up front about politics and, and race discussions that are out there. We need your prayer. We are certain that we're not doing it exactly right. And we want to. There's, there's two things that are incredibly frustrating. And uh, I don't know which one is harder. It's when you don't have the ability to make a decision. And you just got to live under the victimhood of the leadership that you've been given. And then it's when you're in a position of leadership and you know that whatever you do, there's going to be people that feel victimized. That feel ignored and left out. And you're powerless to bless everybody the way that you want to. We have carried that burden through these topics. And we know that we've dissatisfied a lot of you in the decisions that we're making. To be honest, every one of us have been dissatisfied at some level with every one of those conversations. And yet we work together as best we can to live in unity. So let me just, in June, when we were getting ready to reopen our campus, um, I, I did a little short little 10-minute uh, video that was shared with you. And inside of that, I, I shared a graph. And I'm, I'm sharing this with you because... We want you to know this is what we experience. So when you see elder up there, the word elder is pastor. That's the same word. And, and here's, here's this little slide. I'm going to have to turn around because I can't read it. It just basically, there's people that say to us, hey, we need to open the church building. I need to be there and see everybody. What are you waiting for? Open the stinking building. Somebody else. Hey, I don't know what you guys think about doing, but you can't open the building. That would be a huge health risk. You are wrong if you do so and aren't a good lover of people. Hey, this is all a big hoax, man. This is a conspiracy. This is a media frenzy. Read the article, this link. Read this. Don't be afraid. It's political. Hey, my wife, my husband, my dad, my grandparent, my uncle, my sister, brother, my niece, they just all passed away from COVID. And you're talking about letting people come who, even if we don't come, they're going to get COVID because more people are meeting and they're going to put more people at risk. Hey, here's the 25 things you need to make sure you do if you're going to ever meet in that building again. My family is going to stay home for a while before coming back. Sorry, we won't be there. Hey, don't ever open that building again. Home is so much better. And I, you know, there's a lot of folks who go, man, just you know, quit living in fear. Quit being lemmings. Others are saying stuff like this. So my, my, my son um, this week was, uh, you know, when school was out, he's on a basketball team and they went to uh, find another gym. It was at a church. And... Um, and as he was walking out, you know, as they're prone to do, they've got a bunch of uh, masks there. Like if you're coming in, don't have a mask. And so all the guys were walking out there near where to lunch, and some of these high school kids didn't have masks, and so they started to grab a bunch of masks. You know, as high school kids are prone to do, like I'll put six in my car, you know, right? And, and one of the leaders of that church was there. And when he saw Camp pick up a mask, he goes, hey, the rest of you guys can take one. Camp, you don't need one. Watermark people don't wear a mask. Which is really interesting because um, I see a lot of you guys wearing masks. I, I know that right now, we have signs on our doors asking you to wear a mask. But because we're meeting at all, there are people that just say, we don't care and love like other churches are doing. We share this with you because we want you to know, we know that we don't have all knowledge. We know that we're not doing this exactly right. And I don't know how you're doing it in your own life, but... I know with humility, you want to do it the best you can. And so we give a lot of freedom for folks to um, talk about issues related to um, the race topic. And you, you've heard us talk about the race topic. You know that race isn't even a biblical idea. Ethnicity is. We know that there are certain um, theories that are being um, advanced about how you should think about race that aren't rooted in biblical principles. Uh, we know that people are offended if you um, acknowledge that there are people that are hurting that are part of certain ethnicities. And if you say that they matter, they think that you're endorsing an organization that isn't rooted in biblical principles. And we know that you can't have the whole conversation every time you talk about it. And if you don't like that, you should get out of leadership. 
We are so grateful for the grace that you're extending us. You need to know there's nothing cavalier that we're doing. And we know that it's hurting some of you and that you're a victim of our leadership. And um, we also pray that you're blessed by our leadership. And what we want to tell you is we're doing the best we can and we're trying to constantly monitor it. We actually this week had a conversation that, that surprised me a little bit where um, there's a sense that, uh, that amongst this leadership that we may not be doing it exactly right. And so we think uh, in the days ahead, we're, we're going to potentially consider changing even some of the ways that we're handling um, the way we gather right now. We, we, right now, part of the reason we have a space problem is we're limiting our space. We've always wanted to uh, create a place where people could come and be welcome. Uh, and feel safe, and we've also wanted to create a place where people could come and be free. And we think maybe God's moving us to a new place of giving it a shot. And when we make an adjustment, if we do, we're sure it's going to offend some of you that haven't been offended, and maybe bless some of you that haven't been blessed. And we're still going to be sure we didn't get it just right. And so in a minute, when we go to pray, and we ask you to pray for us. We read every one of your emails that inform those boxes. We lay it over scripture. We talk to people that aren't in one of these chairs. And I'm telling you, we love you. And I think we're being obedient to scripture when it tells us to not think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. So let me just, um, this is what we want to say during this part of our, our time together as elders. Because there were some questions about, we don't think you're addressing things a certain way. We don't think you're, you're speaking to this the way that you should. And it's all rolled up in this. This group uh, is the group that God gives us right now. It's why leadership really, really matters. And uh, I will tell you that um, some people would say, if you look at this group, that they're a little bit too cavalier. Some would say, you look at this group and say they're a little too cautious. But I can tell you that this group doesn't have a spirit of timidity that wants to lead with power and love and self-control. This group loves me when they think I don't exhibit self-control. And uh, we need those kind of friends and teams. So, here's just a little bit of thought. In Romans 12, it's the application part of this amazing letter. I just want to read it to you. And it's going to really set us up well for what God wants us to do next. Romans 12, 1 and 2 are very familiar verses. He just says, therefore, in light of the gospel, in light of Jesus doing unspeakably gracious things because of the righteousness and justice that are the foundation of his throne and the mercy and grace which goes before him. God loves you, church, and he made provision for you. And I urge you, therefore, by the mercy of God available to all those who receive that grace and truth, to present your lives as living and holy sacrifices, because that's the, 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 you know, um, it's your spiritual, it's acceptable to God. It's the right response to love and grace. It's a spiritual act. It's what spiritual people do. They go, Christ died for me, I'm going to live for him. And you're not like the rest of the world. Who assumes it has all insight and all understanding and that somebody who doesn't wear a mask is careless and arrogant and somebody who does is fearful and weak. That's the way of a fool who does not delight in understanding, but only projecting onto others what their echo chamber is telling them those who do certain things do. But no, you church, don't be like the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove out in your own life as you begin to live the way that God wants redeemed people by the gospel to live in a way that you're gonna find is good to your soul, acceptable in the eyes of men. And in fact, hearken the beauty of the kingdom. It doesn't say to be good people, acceptable 
and perfect because none of us are perfect. It's just saying when you live according to God's word, that's the good way. That's the way your heart and soul was created to live. That is a reflection of the perfection of the kingdom of God that's coming. That's Romans 12 too. Church, related to mask and politics and race issues. We, and we're working. And, and, and you guys know that we created um, resources and tools for you to, to, to ask each other questions. We even amended that because we felt like, you know what, some of those questions are triggering. We were talking as uh, a community group a little bit in here, like if somebody says, Kyle, do you think child abuse is wrong? You kind of go, I think I'm offended by that question. Right? Because who doesn't think child abuse is wrong? Hey, look, man, racism is sin. Do we think it's wrong? Are you kidding me? Now, there's other ways to ask questions that are excellent. And, and, and that resource, we pray, could maybe be a resource to you. So if you're clueless on what to do, check out that resource. It was sent to every member of our body. We said, have these discussions. And when you have those discussions, just know you're going to do it wrong. And that's why you're so glad you're in a community of grace of people who through the grace given to Paul, he said this. Let me just remind you, when you go into these sticky topics about mask and race and politics, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. But think with sound judgment. Which is that you're a sinner and you're like me and you're prone to love your opinion a little bit too much. You need to know we're not trying to do anything from our opinion. God's word is our authority, our conscience, and guide. And we want to be firm where it's firm and flexible where it's flexible. And that's why Frisco has a different mask policy now than we do. Plano, when it was part of Watermark, had a different mask policy than we do. It's why we're going to probably change ours. Because what we're doing is not what we have to do. It's what we believe was best, and we're trying to figure it out. And we need your help. And so sound judgment is there's one God who's perfect, and we're going to sing to him tomorrow. And we're going to remember his perfect love right now. And God's given us each a different measure of faith. What he does in verses 4 down really through uh, the deeper parts of the teens is he talks about that we're all different people. Reflected by those nine boxes that were around the elders. And yet all of us, this is verse 5, who are uh, many are one body. And make sure that when you are doing what you want to do because God made you, that you're not hurting other parts of the body. So, you see tomorrow when you walk in here, little signs that talk about uh, what we're asking you to do right now. If you see somebody who is less convicted that they need to do exactly what it says, don't assume that they hate you or are hateful. And as gracious as you can, pray. And say, God, how would you have me Ask my brother right now um, to love me. And if somebody asks you imperfectly, how would God have me respond to what I felt like was a controlling request? Because you're part of the same body, so don't hurt one another. The scripture says, let's just jump down, I think, to verse 18, where it just says this, as much as you're able... Right? So far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. I'm summing up and closing this time by just saying um, we want to lead. We want to be on the alert, stand firm in the faith. We want to act like men. We want to be strong. And we want to let everything we do be done in love. We're asking your forgiveness for those that we've hurt, for the way we've been handling masks on this campus in Frisco, uh, Plano when it was there. we're, we're so glad some of you have been really blessed by it. And we pray that you would keep trusting us as we discern God's best. And we know we're about to hurt others of you and maybe uh, think we caved to pressure. Uh, we, we, we won't. And we don't know what we're going to do. I'm just saying it's going to change at some point. And probably not exactly like you want it to. And all we want to do is nothing from selfishness or empty conceit with humility of mind. Consider others is more important than ourselves. And I know some of you are thinking right now, well, that's easy, more masks. 
And others of you are thinking, hey, let us be adults. And that's why if you don't like leadership, I tell my team all the time, leadership is a commitment to being misunderstood. Get out. Uh, a friend told me this 30 years ago when he saw God start to use me as a leader. He said, Todd, come here, sit down. You need to know something. The Africans have always said, the higher the monkey climbs up the tree, the more people see his behind. And so if you don't like people seeing things and commenting on things you do, then just get out of leadership. And so... Um, but church, I'm going to tell you something, we don't have that option. We need to fearlessly lead and love in this world with righteousness and justice as the foundation and grace that goes before us in truth. We have a God who has modeled us perfectly what to do, and we're going to remember him now.